You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Indescribable podcast Adam, Ton, and Lindy Host one indescribable podcast They'll recap CXG On one indescribable podcast They'll share their points of view And in this one week I'll give some talks on lots of different stuff like TV show theme songs, movie adaptations of different musicals and songs from the show. Plus, Lindy has a game now. Onto your favorite podcast. Where we bring all of our hearts. For you. Yes, that is right. We are here. We 
we are back here one indescribable podcast it is so good to be back with you we didn't actually take like a real break but we took a break behind the scenes recording so uh that's why i'm so excited to get to talk to two of my very good friends i am of course adam h here with you week after week talking crazy ex-girlfriend and some other stuff as well and with me today as always two of my very good friends tv lindy lindy how are you I'm great. I'm so happy to be back. This is going to be so fun. I can't wait to listen to Todd talk. This, Yeah, this is going to be good. This whole podcast, we are dubbing Todd Talks, uh, which I guess like that is a very appropriate way to get our third and final uh, person here into the podcast. Todd, Todd, how are you? Are you ready to talk? I'm good. I'm always ready to talk. And I do want to stress that I did not come up with the name Todd Talks for this. I would like to be very clear. This is not my ego running wild. Uh, just want to put that out there initially. Uh, I don't remember who came up with the name uh, Todd Talks, but I love it. I, uh, I think it's great. Um, Apparently it was either you or me. So. It was one of us, Lindy. Yeah, it was one of us. <laughs> I guess we just like to share the credit for that. Um, well, last week, we had a thrilling season one retrospective where we talked through some of our favorite moments, our favorite characters, and perhaps most importantly of all of that, we resolved the tie of the game that we had been playing throughout all of season one. Um, so if you haven't listened to that yet, make sure you go back and listen to that. Uh, it was a really fun conversation. We had a really fun game. We're going to be back in season two. With a new game, the slate is going to be wiped clean, and we will see what happens. But today, today, we are not quite getting into Season 2, Episode 1 of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. We're going to do that next week. We'll be back next week with your regular content. But today, we are doing Todd Talks. And so, just like in any very traditional standard Todd talk, as everyone knows, each of us are going to go around uh, and we're going to just talk about a particular topic, maybe related to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, maybe related to some of the themes uh, of the show that we have been talking about for many, many episodes now. Um, and we're just going to talk. We're going to, we, we've done a little bit of homework. We've done a little bit of research. We know uh, kind hopefully, maybe a little bit what we're talking about, maybe kind of. Uh, maybe Todd does. I, I yeah. Uh, hopefully, um, and we're just gonna go around and we're gonna we're gonna share a little bit about what we uh, have been seeing with the show, kind of other things that we have been noting, uh, or maybe just some of our interesting takeaways. Um, and each of us have decided a different topic to talk about, and each of us have something prepared. So, is there any more like uh, intro I need to do than that? That's a little nebulous, but I think it'll be a little bit more clear once we actually get into it. Uh, I think I don't think I'm missing much here. I think no. I think that covers it. Okay, that's about as clear as you know our idea of this is. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, that's basically what we got. Uh, it's going to be super exciting and super amazing, regardless, though. Oh yeah, yeah, just super exciting stuff. It super should exciting. be. I'm hoping. I'm, I'm not, you know, I think mine's going to be exciting. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you guys got going on here. Um, well, I think without any more further ado. Uh, I'm going to pass it over to our first to give a Todd talk. And I think that, you know, how do we do a Todd talk without starting with Lindy? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. We're going to start with Todd. Of course, we're going to start with Todd. Todd, take it away for your Todd talk. All righty. Well, a couple of weeks ago, whenever we covered Tick, Tick, Boom, we talked a little bit about uh, film adaptations of stage musicals. And so that's kind of one of the things I wanted to talk about today. 
is stage to screen adaptations and what kind of goes into some of the decisions behind screens, stage to screen adaptations of plays and musicals. And there's a lot I have to say about this, but I'm going to focus down on just like kind of one, one central thing and talk about a couple of examples of it. One where I think worked really well, one where I think didn't work quite so well. So anytime you adapt something from one medium to another, you have to be very aware of the strengths and weaknesses of the respective mediums because they're just things that work really well in one thing that are not going to work well in another. And anytime you try to critique an adaptation, you have to look at it in terms of, okay, why did they change what they changed? Did they change it because of the change of medium? Did they change it because of some other reason? And one of the things with Tick, Tick, Boom that we talked about was that it was originally done as a rock monologue and then as a three-person stage play and then they kind of took it and changed the format around to fit into a film and with most stage to screen adaptations that's because the going to see a live theater production is such a different experience than seeing something as a film because when you go to a live theater uh show it is a much more intimate experience you're there live with live people so you feel you're there with them in the moment and so you can go see a play where it's just two people on a bare stage talking to each other for a couple of hours and you're not expecting there to be changes in scenery you're not expecting there to be a cast of thousands you're not expecting all sorts of bells and whistles necessarily but because you're there in the moment with them you're able to like get into it a lot more. But if you're watching a movie, people's expectations for films are typically that there's going to be a lot more to it. If you just watch the movie where the camera was just pointed at two people sitting in one location and the camera didn't pan around at all, you didn't have anything extra at all, then people are probably going to get a little bored or feel a little, it feels a little claustrophobic sometimes if they don't do that sort of thing. So one of the things that people do with adaptations of plays and musicals is try to broaden out the world a little bit. Take what happened in a play that might only be in one setting and then kind of expand on that, try to add things to it to try and make it more palatable to movie viewing audiences. And like I said, Tick, Tick, Boom kind of did that. It took the idea of the rock monologue show and incorporated that, but it also took the anecdotes Jonathan Larson was telling and basically dramatized them and then took the songs he was singing and dramatized them and made them into these big fantasy sequences. So I want to talk about a couple of different movies that kind of that sort of thing took a very contained or kind of minimal play and tried to uh, expand upon it. And the first one I want to talk about is a movie called Hedvig and the Angry Inch. And it is an adaptation of a play which is very similar in its setting in a way to the original rock monologue version of Tick, Tick, Boom. The idea of Hedwig and the Angry Inch is that Hedwig is a performer and she has a band known as the Angry Inch. And she is giving a concert. And basically the play is the concert. When you go to the play, you're there and she's singing her songs and giving her anecdotes and talking about how she's following the tour of her ex-boyfriend and arch nemesis uh johnny gnosis i believe is the character's name uh and she's falling around trying to be a thorn in his side because he stole her her work and she's basically just it's basically just her performing with a little bit of interplay from her backup band 
And so when you see this, it's like you're at a concert. When you're there live, you're basically at this concert with this person telling stories and singing songs. And it's a great show. But for a thing, stories uh, and singing songs necessarily. Uh, it's going to be a little, you know, it's not necessarily, unless they do like a concert film or do just like a, a filmed version of the stage show. For a movie version of it, they wanted to give it a little bit more pizzazz. So what they did is they, again, like Tick, Tick, Boom, they dramatized the anecdotes. They took the songs and made them into full-blown musical numbers with scenery changes and dance breaks and fantastical things going on. There's one song that's a really trippy animated sequence throughout. But one of the things that I really appreciate about what they did is they took the idea of Hedwig chasing around Gnosis on his tour, trying to do like a counter-programming concert. Every, every time Gnosis puts on a show, Hedwig's getting a concert at the exact same time at a venue right next door uh, and trying to be this thorn in Gnosis' side. But, the, but really, Hedwig is just a gnat that Gnosis barely even realizes is following him. And so the film decides to show this by not having Hedwig perform in these huge venues like whenever i saw the show live it was at uh, the windspear opera house in dallas so it's a very nice venue but in the movie it's like okay hedwig is just this little gnat and so she's basically a uh, performing in a chain of denny's type restaurants and so the the performances are happening in these little rinky dink things and it kind of shows every song every anecdote is at a different location and also at kind of a little fair type concert a uh but they're on like the tiniest stage out in this field with like three people while you can hear Gnosis's band performing, you know, way far away. And so they kind of took the idea that gets mentioned in the line in the, the show about Hedwig following Gnosis and they dramatize it and kind of show the obsession that Hedwig has with Gnosis and basically take this, this idea of it and try to bring it to life to a bit and give a lot more energy to it and make it, feel much more lived in and it's a, a film that's it's a great film but it takes the kernel of the stage show and then expands upon it and makes it breathe and live and uh, what they add to it is truly additive to the show in general now an example of a film adaptation where i think tries to do that but doesn't work quite as well is the last five years now if you're not familiar with the last five years it's a play that follows the relationship of this couple, uh, Jamie and Kathy, as they go from the beginning of the relationship to the end of the relationship, or from the end of the relationship to the beginning of the relationship. Because basically, it's a very minimal play. There is hardly any sort of stage dressing. It's very minimal staging. There's no dialogue between the characters at all. There's just songs. And it starts off with Kathy singing a song about the end of their marriage. And then Jamie comes on and sings a song about the very beginnings of their relationship. And it goes back and forth with Kathy's song slowly moving backwards in time and Jamie's song slowly moving forward in time. And the only time the two characters interact on stage is whenever their timelines intersect at their wedding. And they basically sing their vows to each other. And then at the end of that song, Jamie keeps moving forward till it ends with him singing about their breakup. And Kathy keeps moving backwards till it ends with her singing about the beginning of their relationship on this really hopeful note. And it's great play, great music, really interesting concept. But 
taking that into a film, well, you can't just have two people on a minimal set for the film. You have to actually have them in these different locations. And well, you can't have the a film version of play without any dialogue. So you have to add in all this dialogue and can't just have these two characters, the only people. So you have to add in all these other people interacting with them. And basically it winds up watering down the central concept in a lot of ways. It basically with the play, each song is from the point of view of that one character. And you feel like you're completely in that one character's mindset when they're singing that song and you're following their two separate journeys forwards and backwards where in the play that gets muddled or in the film that gets muddled because suddenly they're talking to each other in the middle of these back and forth. And so it's not no longer, you're not just following this one person through their timeline. You're following both of them, both forwards and backwards. And I think the, the scene that's emblematic of why this is strange is one of my favorite songs from the play uh, moving too fast, which is an, early song of Jamie's as he's singing about how his career is taking off and he's found this great woman that he loves and everything is going great, but also it's going way too fast. And is it going too fast? He's going to be able to keep up with it. And it's just the song about all of his hopes and his fears. And it's just really high energy song. And in the film it's happening and you're seeing everything unfold as he's going through all these different meetings and moving in with Kathy and all this stuff. But suddenly in the middle of the song, there's an extended break where you just hear the strains of the song playing in the background. And instead of following Jamie through what he's doing, it cuts to Kathy at an audition because she's an aspiring actress. And so you have this whole scene where her acting career isn't going great. And it cuts back to Jamie. And it just really ruins the flow of this really nice, simple conceit of the play where you just follow one character forward, one character backward by showing J by doing these, they're still doing the time skips too. It's still, it's Jamie's song in the present and then Kathy's song in the future and then slowly moving backwards. So it's still cutting back and forth between the two time frames. but then the middle of Jamie's time frame, it shows Kathy in that same time frame, And it just, it's trying to add to the world, trying to build upon the world. But in a lot of ways, it winds up muddying things, makes the time hopping not really work anymore. And I will say I do enjoy the movie just because it's uh, Anna Kendrick is in it and she's amazing. Jeremy Jordan's in it. He's great. You know, it's great music. But in terms of what the play accomplishes and what the film accomplishes, it's one of those things that it's really a play that probably shouldn't have been tried to be made into a film adaptation because the concept is such uh, experimental thing that I don't know that if there is a good way to do it that would work on film. But I definitely felt that in this particular case, the way that they chose to do it did not work as well as what the play does because by trying to add to it, they actually subtracted from the the core of the play and the core of the concept from my point of view anyway. So like I said, there's a lot of things I'd like to talk about about film adaptations of screen musicals at some point in time, but I just wanted to do a real brief dive into a couple of films that tried to expand the universe of the play and were uh, had varying levels of success. So that was Todd's talk. Any questions, comments, cute remarks? Wow, cute remarks. Uh, amazing, Todd. That was, uh, that was really good. I love the last five years i think you're like down on the film adaptation i've never seen the live uh version of it so i have like nothing to you know i have nothing to like base it on anything like that but like 
man, that I like remember watching that movie for the first time in college and I just loved it. Yeah. And one of the things that I struggle with is with watching film adaptations of things is like comparing it to the original. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, some, like I said, I, I try to take a step back and look, okay, why are they doing it this way? Cause they do have to try and make it work better for a film. And so I think with the last five years, again, I still enjoy it. I mean, I, I gave it a fairly good rating. I went to look at my letterbox to see like what I, I gave it and I gave it a, a pretty good rating. I'm not down on it. Like I'm down on some other film adaptations of some of my favorite plays, but I do think that it kind it suffered a bit because of the, the things that I said, like I probably would have given it a higher rating if it hadn't done those things. I think because again, the performances are great. The music is great, but it's one of those things that, that helps buoy it up, but because of the changes they made to try and expand the world, it just didn't work as well for me as whenever I saw the play itself. I'm trying to remember what song it was that Jeremy Jordan was singing. It was like this apartment scene. This is going to annoy me, so I'm going to like have to go watch the film again tonight just to. <laughs> like, <get laughs> there. But there was like the, I don't know. There was like such an amazing number. I, I would like actually recommend if you've never seen the last five years. I think it's on Netflix. Um. But go watch it. It's really good. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I, Lindy. You were you were about to say something. Yeah, well, I haven't seen it, so maybe I'll check it out. <laughs> I'm shocked. Shocked, I say. <laughs> uh, my question is: um, I believe that one of the Riverdale musical episodes featured songs from Hedwig and the Angry Inch. So I was wondering what you thought of that, Todd. Oh my goodness! I was whenever they announced they were doing Hedwig, I was both excited and scared about it because again i love hedwig i love hedwig so much it is uh, an amazing musical but riverdale is riverdale so <laughs> um it was it was one of those that they they shoehorned the stuff in so much it didn't work well i think that some of the some of the performances of some of the songs were were good, but it was not out of their music episodes. Riverdale's done. It, I was pretty down on it. I part of it is probably because I love it so much. Like the Carrie musical one, I don't even know Carrie the musical. So when they did that one, like I didn't really care that much. I don't remember what their second musical episode was. But I felt like the next to normal musical episode actually worked really well. I thought that was one where Riverdale managed to capture the spirit of the play itself and work it in really well, pretty organically with a lot of the songs. And that was when I was actually pleasantly surprised by it. I was actually nervous about that one as well, because I love Next to Normal. It's an amazing show. So, But yeah, the Hedwig one, I remember being a little down on just because it was it was Riverdale it was they're like okay we have an idea we want to do head big so we're going to create this ludicrous plot that would never happen in either episode but we're going to shoehorn everything in to try and make it work uh so I don't have a lot of strong memories about it other than just being oh they did that to head big <laughs> well maybe a future Todd talk could be you doing a deep dive into all the Riverdale musical <laughs> episodes oh good grief I don't know mm -hmm. if I'm going to subject myself to that <laughs> Adam is uh, not interested. I don't know <laughs> Uh, maybe we could do other stuff. I did. I found the name of the song. It's a miracle. What happened? Uh, come when you come uh, home to uh, home to me. Yeah, very good. I just yeah. Yeah, I really liked it. So uh, yeah, great, it's amazing fine, time. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, I love you, and it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. No. I I I do recommend. Like, I recommend watching Head Big. It's a great show, a great film, and I do recommend. Like I said, 
Uh, I don't think that last five years worked quite as well as it could have, but I do think it is worth watching. I'm a sucker for both Jeremy Jordan and Anna Kendrick in like very major ways. So um, I'm, I'm like all into it. Uh, amazing. That was our first Todd talk given by Todd. Let's move to Lindy. All right. Uh, this is before I start. I just wanted to say while Todd was doing his talk, I was sitting here and it really felt like I was in school, like watching a presentation and waiting to give mine to the class. And I gotta be honest, it made me so nervous. Are you two feeling that way as well? No. I think the problem is like I've always been bad at public speaking and this just really reminded me of being in class and having to pre present in front of a class mm. full of people and it was just it's just a little nerve-wracking. Lindy is now the time when I tell you that this is just as much of a podcast as any of the other like 20 podcasts we've <laughs> done so far? Yeah well the difference is now I have to talk without you, you know without being in a conversation for a few minutes so it's just that's okay the okay yeah okay yeah I, I can see that i can see the conversation is definitely different than getting up and present yeah i have always been someone who i don't have any problem getting up in front of people and speaking in front of big groups or doing the public speaking it's always come really naturally to me it's the more conversational stuff that i typically have a uh, problems with like oh he said you get me in front of a, a stage in front of like a thousand people i'm fine you get me down and try to talk to someone i've never met before and i freeze up so yeah so this this thing doesn't bother me, but if never we have like a guest on that I don't know, that's never gonna be need to be worried about me. So great. That's so interesting. I feel like I'm bad at both of those things. <laughs> so here we are. What are we doing here again? This is a podcast, right? What are I, we're uh we're 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 talking? Uh, okay. I'm amazed that I'm on a podcast, to be honest I... with you. <laughs> but hey, this is episode what uh twenty one, probably twenty one. So yeah. I guess I'm doing okay enough. You haven't kicked me off or anything. Yeah, we're still we're still cooking. Yeah, and we still have people who listen, surprisingly. So thank you to, to all of you. We appreciate and love you. This is just Lindy stalling, I think, is I'm telling you a little bit, but first I want to shout out my friend Chris who just started listening to our podcast because she just started watching the show for the first time. So Ooh. maybe quite a while before she gets to this episode, but just hi Chris. <laughs> What's up, Chris? Let's go. Welcome. <laughs> Uh, we're glad you're listening. Okay. We are so glad. Yes. I can definitely start my talk now. Whenever you're ready. We're here if you need us. <laughs> All right. So as I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about, obviously I wanted it to be somewhat related to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, but obviously, as we know by my little nickname, TV Lindy, TV is what I'm really passionate about. And so I wanted it to be something TV related. And so music is such a central part of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and I thought about the theme songs and how the theme songs in the show change every season and they it's really cool how they each reflect a different part of Rebecca's journey throughout the show and so obviously most shows don't do that they tend to keep the same theme song uh, throughout their run which honestly I find really interesting because some shows end up going on for a long time and they end up using the same theme song that they chose way at the beginning of the process. And so I wonder sometimes, do they ever think like, oh, this doesn't fit us as much as usual. And actually, I do find that some shows, including a few I'm about to talk about, 
tend to not even play their theme song as the seasons go on. They just kind of rely on a title card and don't even play it anymore. And honestly, that kind of disappoints me because I really love theme songs. And I find that a lot of them are just so enjoyable and ones I would never skip. I will be honest, I do skip some intros, especially when I'm binge watching a show. I won't say which because I don't want to offend anyone if it's like your favorite. But a lot of songs, I really will listen to the whole thing because I love them so much. So uh, I'm not going to give like a lesson about theme songs, although maybe I should have because this is a Todd talk and that's something Todd is really good at. But what I thought I would do is talk about some of my favorite theme songs. So this is going to be 10 of my favorite TV theme songs. And no, this is not an exhaustive list of all the best theme songs ever because that would be a lot longer, obviously. Um, But I did narrow it down to 10 to talk about today, and I did only choose songs from shows that I have watched. So if I'm missing something, it may just mean that I haven't watched it and don't really know the theme song that well. Or maybe I don't like it, and then Adam and Todd can get really mad at me. I don't really know. (laughs) So we'll see at the end here. Um, So I'm just going to go through my list. They're not really in a specific order. This is just, again, 10 of my favorite TV theme songs. Uh, So what I wanted to start out with is a show that I know that we all really enjoy that's been around for a long time and is one of those shows that as time has gone on, uh, they don't always play their theme song, which is really disappointing. But the first one is Survivor. And that song is called Ancient Voices and it's by Russ Landau. And also, I do want to link all of these songs in our description so that if any of our listeners have not heard some of them, you can go find them easily. Um, But the Survivor theme song is honestly, it's amazing. I mean, in those early seasons, you've got the theme song and it's got a little, a few shots of every player in the game and just the feelings that that evokes in me. I've been watching Survivor almost my entire life. I mean, it started when I was a small child and now I'm an adult and I've been watching it literally every year of my life. And so it's, it's a really important show to me. I've actually, obviously like, listen to podcasts about it, have made friends through that. So it's really important to me. And every time I hear the theme song, I just feel so emotional about how much I love Survivor and how big of a role it's played in my life. So I wanted to kick it off with that because it's really important to me. All right. And then we'll go to the next one. So the next one is Dawson's Creek. And the theme song to Dawson's Creek is called I Don't Want to Wait. And that's by Paula Cole. And it's funny because Dawson's Creek Uh, A lot of times in the past when it's been streaming, like on Netflix, they had a different theme song playing because of like rights issues. So it was this song called Run Like Mad, which to be honest, I actually liked a lot as well. But this theme song, like the real theme song is called I Don't Want to Wait. And it's just a really good song. And it really reminds you of being a teenager or when I was a teenager watching it. It was like, it just, it's a great intro to the show. And it just really gets you ready for the like 90s feelings of this show. Uh, so that's why I chose that one. Uh, next is the Grey's Anatomy theme song. And if you watch Grey's Anatomy and you're thinking to yourself, uh, what theme song? That's because uh, this theme song is really never played anymore. It was only in the first few seasons. So if you don't remember it, uh, you should go back and listen. But it's funny because as I was saying, you know, 
shows pick their theme songs right at the beginning. And obviously, no one would have thought that Grey's Anatomy would be going on for 18 plus seasons when they first started out. So they would have no idea the longevity of this show. But the theme song is really interesting when you listen back to it because some of the lyrics are, yeah, nobody knows where they might end up. Nobody knows. And that is actually just really, like, it's both full of possibility and also a little bit haunting when you think about it because from the beginning of the show, like, so many characters have died. So many have moved on and moved away, you know, in their career in where they live. And so, so many different things happen to all the characters on this show. And when you go back and listen to this theme song, it really makes you think about how how far all these characters have come in their journeys or how tragically their lives ended. So it's a really good theme song. Um, and then we'll go to the theme song for Angel. So Angel is the spinoff of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I didn't include the Buffy song on this list, although I do really enjoy it. I think the Angel theme song for me is just, it's really beautiful. It's this instrumental track. It's, um, I couldn't find the exact name. It's something like the Angel main theme or like the Sanctuary. And it's by Darling Violetta. And it's just this intermenstrual track. And it's really beautiful. Also a little bit haunting. And so the vibe and the tone of Angel the show is a lot darker than Buffy. And so I think the theme music really reflects that. And it really is such a certain mood that the show has. And that's really brought on by the theme song. All right. Next on the list is a newer show. Uh, this is the show Grownish, And the theme song for that is called Grown. And it's by Chloe and Hallie. And it's such a good song. Like, I would totally listen to that just outside of the show. And so... If you haven't heard this song, which I, I don't know how many people really watch this show. So if you don't know this song, I would highly recommend going listen to it. It's just, it's it's a really good song. I keep saying that about a lot of them. Obviously, they're all good. This is where I'm not so good at the speech making. Okay. So then moving on to the next song, it is the One Tree Hill theme song, which is called I Don't Want to Be, and it's by Gavin DeGraw. And again, a lot of these are just that it makes me so nostalgic for a certain period of my life when I was listening to this song and watching this show. And One Tree Hill, this theme song does exactly that. And it reminds me of, you know, where these characters all started and how they've grown and changed throughout the series. And I started watching that show in middle school. And so it really does mean a lot to me. And this song, it's a great song, whether or not you associate it with the show. Uh, then moving on to The O.C., and the OC's theme song is called California, and it's by Phantom Planet. And again, it just perfectly fits the show. I mean, the OC, it's all California and the beaches, and so is this song. You know, California, here we come. It totally gets you in the mood of the show and just really sets the tone. All right, so we've got a few left. Uh, the next one is... Another one that I know we all really enjoy, this is the Veronica Mars theme song, which is called We Used to Be Friends, and that's by the Dandy Warhols. Once again, just amazing song. And they actually do change it up a little bit um, in the third season, and I think that's not really a popular choice, but I actually do enjoy that little spin on it. But I like the original, obviously, the best. And, you know, it's a long time ago, we used to be friends, 
which is exactly the situation that Veronica, the main character, is in. You know, her whole life has changed. She used to be friends with these certain people and so many bad things have happened and now she's an outsider. And so it totally perfectly fits the show and it's an amazing theme song. Then we have the newest uh, one on this list, which is from a show that uh, premiered this year in 2021. And that show is called Only Murders in the Building. And if you haven't seen it, highly recommend. It's it's a comedy and it's also about murder, but it's not it's not dark and depressing. It's it's funny and it's interesting. And the theme song for that is another instrumental. And it's really like whimsical, but it draws you in. It's a little mysterious. And I immediately, upon hearing it, was like, wow, this music is so good. And the music throughout the whole show, indeed, is also really good. Uh, I think the the, so- the song is just called Main Title, and it's by Siddhartha Kosla. And I it's I, from what I saw on Spotify, it looks like he composed a lot of the music for the show, which I think is all really great. And so I highly recommend this show. Love the song. And then to wrap up, I've got one more song on this list, which is really closely related to our main topic which is crazy ex-girlfriend uh because my last one on this list is the crazy ex-girlfriend theme song from season two and uh i hope it's not a spoiler to say that that is my favorite version of the crazy ex-girlfriend theme song i'm sure we will do a ranking of them you know once we get to season four and have heard all of them so i won't spoil any of my other rankings but my favorite one is the season two one uh it's just so so good i don't want to give away too many of my thoughts because i'm sure we will be talking about that next week on our season two episode one recap but i will just end the list by saying that that is one of my favorite tv theme songs so what did you all think and are there any that you're really mad that i left off or any of these that you really love as well I don't know about mad or, or anything like that. Um, I love, of course, like Survivor being on the list. I think Veronica Mars like absolutely belongs on the list. Um, I also really liked Only Murders in the Building. That was, I think, one of my favorite shows that I have seen this year. So uh, very happy with that getting there. I tend to prefer instrumental TV openings. Uh, I guess it depends on the show. I, sh- I don't even know if that's like actually accurate, but I I think I lean towards instrumental openings. The two that I think probably belong on the list that did not make it there are Psych and Doctor Who. I think both of those have like really incredible, iconic theme songs that uh, uh, I really love. Yeah, but I think it's a good list. I haven't heard of like most of the shows, but uh, <laughs> I do I do know the songs from the themes of the shows that I had never seen, which I think is like a good indication that like, it's a, it's a good theme. Yeah. I thought about the psych one. That is a really good one, but I just, you know, I only picked 10 to talk about today, so it didn't make my list today, but it is, I agree. Really great. Yeah. So out of all these Gronish is the only one that I'm not familiar with the song. So I'm going to go and listen to that uh, when we're done, but all the rest, I've watched the shows and know the songs and, yeah, I didn't realize the Angel song was by Darling Violetta, which uh, I only know about Darling Violetta because they were on an episode of Buffy. They, they're they the house band at the Bronze, the episode where Faith first uh, shows up for the very first time. Because I had a friend who was obsessed with finding every song from every band that was on Buffy and downloading them and burn CDs for us. So I have like the CDs burned of like songs from like every every song that was on Buffy for those 
uh, first several seasons. That's one reason I even know who Darling Violetta was. So I knew I knew the Buffy song was by Nerf Herder, but I didn't realize that Darling Violetta did the Angels. Thing. But yeah, the Angels theme is a, a beautiful, beautiful instrumental thing. I don't tend to like the instrumental songs as much as the ones with lyrics. I, I tend to go more towards the lyrics, which is funny. Is that Adam and I uh, have worked together on some D&D musicals, and he's the music guy, and I'm the lyric guy. It tracks, uh, with, yeah. It makes it really, really tracks, but I'm, I'm drawn more to the lyrical ones and the instrumental ones. There are some great, like, I love the Westworld uh, instrumental thing. That's one. A Madman is another instrumental mm. one that I really love. Uh, but in terms of like other ones that didn't uh, didn't make your list, I think, of course, I again, I'm a bit older than both of you, so I think there's lots of theme songs from the '80s that really resonate with me that probably wouldn't resonate with you guys quite as much because you didn't grow up with them like I grew up with them. And I think that the theme song is a dying art. Like Lindy said, a lot of shows. Even if they have a theme song, they don't play it all the time. And there's some shows that don't even really have a theme song at all, really. They might have like a couple of notes that happen. And you know, the title card pops up, but that's it. So it is a sad thing that the the theme song is a bit of a, a dying art. Because it used to be a really, really big thing back in the day. And now there's so many shows up there. Like, you've asked me, does this show have a theme song? Like, I, I, don't, even, I don't even know half the time anymore, so... Yeah, I wish I wish all shows had a theme song and played it every episode. Looking at you, Survivor, please add the theme song back in. Um, yeah. But was there anything else before I wrap this up? No, no. I, I don't think so. Well, I couldn't end my Todd talk without, you know, honoring Todd by putting in a very, very short quiz for the two of you. Oh, uh oh, very, very uh, it, short. It's Lindy's Game Corner. All right, so uh, I made this list just, you know, thinking about all the shows I've watched, my favorite songs, and I also looked at, after I made the list, like, what year each of these premiered, and all of them premiered in different years, except two of these shows premiered in the same year. <laughs> Can either of you name those two shows? Ooh, wow. No. <laughs> <laughs> highly doubtful i'm awful with i'm awful with like years of stuff like that because uh, i know hmm. i've only seen four of them there are a couple can... combinations that i know it's not but that <laughs> doesn't get me very far yeah um maybe angel and dawson's creek no so those were one year apart yeah so i knew they were really close to each other but i couldn't yeah, no, I don't know. Uh, I'll give you a hint. The year was 2003. Oh, uh, 2003. Okay, that definitely eliminates quite a few of them, but at the same time, uh, try... was it Grey's and Veronica Mars? No, so Veronica Mars was 2004. Grey's was 2005. Uh, oh, my God. Or was yeah. Veronica Mars... 2000... I, th I think Veronica Mars started in 2004. Yeah, because it's ended in 2007, so... Yeah, uh, I don't know. Well, there has to be a winner. Okay, I'll tell you one of the shows and then see who can get the <laughs> other. Just start guessing. <laughs> one of the shows was One Tree Hill. All mm -hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what the other ones I already guessed were, so I could try and. One so... Tree Hill and Gronish. No, no. Gronish is like very, <laughs> I, very recent. I have no, yeah, I have no idea what Gronish is. An Angel. I'm just gonna keep guessing. No. no. So uh, the OC, 
Yes. Whoa. Congrats, Todd. You there have you won go. Mindy's Game Corner. <laughs> uh, before the show, we did talk about like potentially shifting the game for future seasons. <laughs> I think we keep it i think we just uh i think we keep it as is um, are you saying i didn't come up with a good game because i just wanted one question just really quick um no that was uh that was great yeah this is a very good list um you know they don't call you tv lindy for nothing uh that's for sure although i don't know if you were the one that came up with tv lindy what were the origins of TV Lindy? I think that's going to remain an enigma. <laughs> Ooh. Like by like by, by your choice or like you don't know. Yeah, it's more fun <laughs> that way. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh Okay, the mystery that will never be solved. <laughs> that that could be our maybe our finale, maybe maybe our final episode. We'll finally have the uh I think we've committed to a lot of stuff in the finale. I forget what all we've said that, oh, we'll do this or say this in the finale, but we can it add really it to the does list. not have to be a big mystery. I just, I made a Twitter account. Like I had, I had a Twitter account like from high school that was just like me. And then eventually I was like, oh, I want a Twitter account just for talking about TV. And so I thought of the name for it and it was TV Lindy. And I was like, okay. Oh, you have a, you have a, 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 a fit up. You have a. What is I that? <laughs> I don't know what they call it. What's the like the Finsta equivalent of a Twitter? Fitter? I mean, I. <laughs> yeah, I do have a previous private Twitter, but I don't use that one anymore. Okay, well, this is riveting stuff. Uh, <laughs> you asked. That was the. <laughs> I, I didn't bring this up uh, by choice. So you're going to commit to the enigma. You, uh, uh, yeah, the, the mystery lasted the whole like yeah. five five seconds. <laughs> I didn't want to make it a big mystery when it wasn't interesting, so I just thought, I'll end it here so we never talk about it again. <laughs> oh, it's coming up frequently. We're, we're going to you know what you said. They're coming again. It, we're going to find ways to do callbacks to this all the time. Um, well, I think with that, I should probably, uh, do my own Todd talk here. And to the surprise of absolutely no one, the topic that I will be talking about today has to do with musical theater. And so we've talked, uh, quite a bit on this podcast about different songs and how they have been, you know, paying homage to different, uh, performances, different uh, musicals that have been put on, um, and different uh, specific songs within those musicals. And some of them have been working for us. Some of them maybe less than that. And the thing that I think is the most interesting for me when I am, when I'm listening to these songs, when I'm seeing these performances on TV, seeing these like uh, homages or, or spoofs or parodies or pastiches, whatever you will um, of the songs that I'm familiar with from musical theater is, is it effective? And then why? And sort of the the feeling that you're supposed to get when the original iteration of the song was playing in a live theater and when you're watching it uh, in a very live sense. And so um, will it be effective? We've kind of talked about that. Will it not be? And then the why. So I think I want to start out with a few examples of songs from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend that I think were incredibly effective in what they were trying to do relating to musical theater. And the first has to be from the very first episode, West Covina. 
And so we have this this big opening, you know, fantastical number. I think it's our only uh, song of the episode. And we have sort of this like giant introduction to Rebecca Bunch, to West Covina, to the series as a whole. Um, and I think it like gives me these, um, you know, these big vibes of the opening of Wicked or like the opening of Hairspray where you have, you know, no one warns the Wicked, Good Morning Baltimore, uh, even Come From Away, like Welcome to the Rock. We have like sort of these big opening scene setting character establishing numbers um, that sort of give us a lot of exposition while also like blowing us away with their musical abilities. And I think that like West Covina does that in a way that's very tangible and in a way that I really loved. Um, I think we were all pretty high on the song, if I'm remembering correctly, but I think that like comparatively to what they were trying to do, I think it was a pretty big swing. They're taking musical theater, they're taking this big number that's, you know, from scratch, totally a new topic that they're creating, and they're trying to give us this feeling that we would get at the opening of a musical theater performance. And so for those of you familiar with musical theater who, you know, gone to see performances and, you know, different musicals, that opening number like sets the tone for the rest of the performance, especially if it's something you'd never seen before, especially if it's something new. The first song that you hear, your first introduction to the setting, to the cast, is like vital to the success of the rest of the performance. And I think that West Covina like knocks it out of the park when it comes to that. And so that to me is like a very effective usage of something that you would get from a musical theater performance and how they are um, relating that or how they are transposing that into Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, the other uh, really good example that I have uh, that I think like also impressed me with how they did it was showing the personality of the cast. And so um, a lot of times in musical theater, you have the same songs, you know, for different, for, for, uh, for a musical that's in different locations. And so when you see Wicked on Broadway, it could be markedly different than when you see Wicked in Chicago or in St. Louis or wherever you are, despite the songs being the same. And one of the things that that uh, allows you to do is see the personality of the performers come through in the songs. And so even though the songs are the same, you get the personality coming through, but that can be really hard to do when there's only one iteration of these songs. And so um, a lot of the times we sort of just have the music be what it is and we lose some of the personality from it. But I think that, and we talked about this a little bit when we talked through I'm the villain of my own story, um, we get the personality coming through of this song. And so we have sort of this big, like, uh, you know, Little Mermaid, Ursula kind of vibes here, right, with this song where we have like the personality of uh, Rebecca and of Valencia coming through in this song in a way that like totally takes me back to like little flutters and flourishes you would get at a live musical performance where someone would be like making a little comment. You would get like sort of the laughs of everyone beside you. It would be like this really cool atmosphere that I think they were able to recreate really well. And so I think like those are the two uh, examples that I have of like incredibly effective ways to translate feelings and emotions that you get from live musical theater into uh, the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend show. Unfortunately, <laughs> not all of the examples that I have here are effective uses. So I won't spend a ton of time on the ones that uh, we kind of like weren't in love with. Um, but I think that it was sort of clear what they were going for and how it relates. So uh, a couple that I have here that were just sort of like <laughs> they were trying. They really gave it their effort, but it like just didn't quite land. 
uh, cold showers. I was a little bit higher on cold showers than than uh, both of you were. Um, but it had sort of this like big, you know, music man trouble. Uh, there's sort of this like slippery slope vibe. And I think the trouble that they were, <laughs> do you see that? The trouble that they were getting into here with cold showers is that I actually think that they were trying a little bit too hard to make the content similar versus just the vibe. And I think that they were trying, you know, they, they, it was, they were like hitting us in the face with this homage to the song. And they were even, you know, crack, 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 crack. And then we even got like this whole slippery slope type deal where we have Rebecca, like, you know, fully going into, I'm not going to get into like the, the plot of the music band or anything like that, but like, um, they really tried hard to make sure that we were aware that this is what they were doing. When in reality, I don't think they needed to do that. And they could have just had the music be a little bit more similar. So um, that was kind of a situation where the vibe that they were trying to get off was almost too similar to musical theater when instead they should have sort of made it their own thing. Um, and then the other one that I have, which like breaks my heart because Les Mis is my favorite musical <laughs> is flooded with justice. And so, um, I think we had slightly mixed reviews on this song, but this has like incredibly huge. Do you hear the people sing vibes of everyone sort of coming together? They were even like marching in formation. There were flags flying. It was like very cool, but it almost didn't feel big enough for me. And so one of the things of when you're seeing Les Mis live, or even when you're, when you're watching the film adaptation, I, I don't want to like step too much on Todd here, but when you're watching the film adaptation of Les Mis or any adaptation of Les Mis, you hear the people sing is like a huge sweeping number to get all of the cast involved. They have the flags flying. It's like one of the biggest moments of the musical itself. And I think that to me is where Flooded with Justice fell just a little bit short. I think they were trying to go for that vibe, but because they were in this format, because they were trying to adapt it to the show in the situation that it was, they weren't able to swing quite big enough for me. And I think that like the feeling that you get when you're watching, do you hear the people sing is like, okay, like game on, let's go. Like, this is huge. Everyone's here. We're about to, like, I'm ready to go fight with them from the crowd. And I think, like, Flooded with Justice just, like, did not do that. And I think they were, like, very ineffective at trying to get everyone else sort of on the same page of this is what we're fighting for. This is, like, big, huge. Everyone come join the cause. Come fight with me. They just, like, couldn't quite get it over that uh, little bump. And then the final category I have here, uh, songs that just totally missed the mark despite what they were trying to do. I'm really not going to spend a lot of time talking about these, but like Angry Mad, Josh's song, just brutal. They had, like, they were like going for this sort of like footloose karate kid type combo. And it just like fell flat in so many ways. Um, and like, you know, they, they were trying to give us these vibes of like, this is how he's expressing his emotion. It's like very indicative of like, uh, you know, this sort of like rock, uh, uh, a dance break type situation. And it just like didn't work at all, at least for me. I, I think it maybe worked for her, uh, Lindy more than it did for me, but it like did not do much overall. Um, and then the final one, I had to pay a little bit of homage to our title sequence, One Indescribable Instant. Um, I love the song. Don't get me wrong. 
<laughs> I love the song. It like gives us these big Disney princess vibes, sort of like this energy of these sweeping melodies coming through, showing us the love of the situation and the love of these characters. We have like, you know, big part of your world energy here. I think I've said Little Mermaid quite a lot in this segment, but um, <laughs> like big part of your world energy. And I think like specifically for me, the thing that it does not do is get me to root fully for the love that is happening on the screen as opposed to like a traditional Disney princess or Disney love song where we have the people involved singing to us sort of like explaining their firsthand feelings I think the way that this song falls a little bit short is that Rebecca is not the one singing it and I think that obviously there are like other nits to pick with the song, which we did. You can go listen to that episode. But I think that it would have like gone a long way to have that love song be sung from the first person as opposed to just sort of the generalized, uh, you know, third person that we actually get in the show. Um, because when we're in sort of this live performance again and we have a love song, we can sort of like that's our window into like the heart of the character that's singing it. And so, you know, we're, we're starting to feel for them. We're seeing the situation unfold. We are like getting in their shoes because we also want to feel that love that they are about to be feeling. And that was just like not a thing here because it, it almost felt kind of impersonal and, and manufactured in this sense. And so I think like, um, you know, when we talk about the song, I love it. I hope that it stays our intro song. Uh, but in terms of like uh, this specifically, it didn't work a ton for me. Uh, that's a lot of songs. I'm, I think I'm like well over my time. <laughs> Sorry for going over, but uh, I love musical theater a lot. And of course, uh, I will say this uh, every single day until the day I die. Go see musical theater. Go support your local, your local theaters. They do a lot of really, 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 really amazing work and put on some ridiculously awesome performances. So uh, that is my Todd Talk about musical theater comparing it to crazy ex-girlfriend questions comments concerns emotional outbreaks <laughs> great job adam um i guess when you're talking about one indescribable instant about how it's not from rebecca's perspective i guess she but she does kind of sing the song a little bit throughout the episode before that right so does that Certainly. change that at all or is it just that the big you know real performance of it isn't her it's tough because like we're not at least at least for me I don't think that we're supposed to feel that emotion throughout the episode when she's singing the little bits of it. That's like not when the moment is high. That's not when the adrenaline is racing. That's not when the scene is sweeping. It's just like Rebecca like noodling around, which is like funny and it's like, you know, fine to see, but in terms of like the emotion that it's supposed to get us to portray or the musical theater that it's supposed to be not imitating, but sort of like, you know, replicating in, in, in like an emotional sense. It's just like not there for the first part of the episode until the song actually plays. So that's sort of where I came down on it. I think it's interesting. The point that you brought up, I don't know if we really talked about when the song was a, uh, on, on the episode we covered, but with the, uh, the music man, no cold showers, uh, song, and the fact that it's like so on the nose as a Music Man parody. It's like so like, and the show usually does a good job of doing a style parody that's just not uh, like a blatant, yeah, this is exactly what it is. But I think both it and Flooded with Justice are ones that are very, very so, so specific with their their source uh, parodying them that 
it does lose a little something because the show because even like my favorite one of my favorite songs is an obvious homage to mama rose's song in gypsy but it's not a direct parallel throughout the entire song it has bits of that it has little notes of it that are pretty obvious what it's doing but it's not just like almost a beat for beat parody and don't get me wrong i love beat for beat parodies of things uh like i'm a big weird owl fan but even with that i think the show does better whenever it takes like the germ of it and doesn't try to try to get so specific in its parodies of things so i i that's something I hadn't really thought about too much before with both of those, but I think that could be part of why I wasn't as big on either of them because they are ones that are being a little bit too on the nose with their source material. Here's, there might be some later on there on those the source material that I still like, but I think that is like one of the things that contribute to me not being as big a fan of either one of those songs as as you you were, Adam. Yeah, and and it's definitely true for both of them, right? Like they really try and like right there of like this is what we're doing. Um, and even like the thing I go to with Flooded with Justice, I'm totally fine with like a with an actual parody. I just want to like feel the things that I would feel of the original song that you're trying to parody. Like if that's what we're trying to do, then like do it. And I I don't I just don't think with uh even with either of them, I just don't think they like did it. And I think they were in this sort of like weird middle ground of like this is what we're doing, but also like not really. <laughs> and so I don't know. I, I I would like them to commit like one way or the other. Yeah. And I also want to mention on the note of go see live theater on the day that this episode drops, I will be going to see live theater. So Ooh. that's where my season ticket for a dear Evan Hansen uh, touring production will be. So that's exciting. Looking forward to it. Uh, a couple notable exceptions that I like didn't talk about Jap battle. Uh, we could have talked about like, uh, you know, uh, like Hamilton uh, type deal, very close there, but um, yeah, there's like a lot of them. And uh, you, you obviously talked about, you know, everything I've done for you that you didn't ask for, like there's a lot more uh, and I'm, there'll be more throughout more seasons. Cause this is a musical show. So there, <laughs> there will be more of course, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's me. Unless you guys have anything else. Nope, I think I think we're all Todd talked out now. <laughs> uh, how was that? Was that okay? Was Todd talks good? I had fun. I liked it. I don't know I about you. It. I think yours were great. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that was uh, that was really fun. Uh, I'll definitely bug both of you to do this again after season two. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how you guys are feeling then. <laughs> but then I can talk about the other things I want to rant about. A uh, musical. Yes, there you I go. Can talk about the- I can talk about the Rent adaptation and the Into the Woods adaptation. This that might be a separate podcast, <laughs> just lengthwise. I'm just uh, maybe we'll see. Um, but that's all we have for you today. This notably is our final interim episode between season one and season two. Next week we will be back here uh, and hopping into the next season. We took a little bit of a break. We took a little bit of a breather. We kind of decompressed a little bit for the holidays. And we're going to be back at the start of the year to talk through season two, episode one. And I am excited. We're losing a theme song, but we're gaining a season. So I'm I'm stoked. We're, we're gaining a new theme song. Yes. Lindy's favorite. Uh, very not my favorite just to be very oh know. okay well we'll get into this next we'll, week we'll I'm get into that i'm sure but uh uh yeah uh i'm very excited to get back into the episodes we've sort of like taken a break from the characters uh i'm excited to like get back into it 
Well, I think that's it for us. Uh, just a nice, tight, hour-long podcast. Uh, we, you know, maybe, hopefully, you have not gotten too accustomed to that in between seasons <laughs> here. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how we. I do think, in I think last two. week they definitely get accustomed to it with last week's episodes. <laughs> Okay. Uh, we'll see how we do with season two. Uh, anything else from either of you before we before we're done for today? I can't believe that we've actually finished an entire season's worth of a show and three bonus episodes, and we're getting ready to go even more. Like, whenever Adam first came to me with the idea, like Adam and I have like joked about for like months before this hard. Like, what's our podcast coming back? When are we going to start a podcast? And back and forth. And they're coming up with an idea. And then I kind of threw out uh, crazy ex-girlfriends that I might want to talk about at some point. And then uh, a few weeks later, I was like, hey, Todd, I found something that might want to do the podcast with us. And at the time, I was just like, oh, wow. Now, am I committed <laughs> now? Am I am I going to do a podcast? Can I do a podcast? Like I said, like I, I get like nervous about freezing up a conversational stuff comes up, up on the spot. So I was really nervous uh, that first going to that first episode. I was super nervous about how the podcast is going to go. But this has been a blast. And I can't believe that we made the one season. But I feel confident that we're going to make it through all four. And who knows what's beyond that. But it's been <laughs> a... Uh, yeah, that's a ways away. That's that's a year away. Todd's uh, twenty episodes in and already to book the next one. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, but uh, but no, I just uh, I'm excited that we have one season on our belt. I'm looking forward. We have some great guests that we're uh, talking to. A uh, some some returning guests and some new faces as well in the new season. So I, it's going to be an exciting time. I am so excited for season two. I think there's some great episodes, great songs, great guests. I think it's going to be so much fun. Just as season one has been really fun, I think season two is just going to continue that. So I'm really looking forward to it. Amazing. Yeah. One one of these days we should talk through the full origin story of this podcast. Because if you ever thought that I would be someone to not commit to a bit, uh, boy, (laughs) were you horribly incorrect. Um. That'll do it for us here at One Discoverable Podcast. Uh, Lindy, what are you up to? Where can people find you at? Yes, well, as we mentioned, you can find me on Twitter at TVLindy, T-V-L-I-N-D-Y. <laughs> and uh, at our podcast Twitter, that's at One CXG Podcast. That's O-N-E-C-X-G Podcast. Yes. Uh, please follow us. Yes, Todd, what are you up to? Where can people find you at? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Librarian Todd because Todd Librarian was too many characters. And other than that, as always, you can always find me in the psr discord well i say it always the last couple of weeks with birthday uh, as adam adam has remarked to me you just dropped to the face of the earth because i was in oklahoma with my dad's wi-fi which hates my laptop so i wasn't on discord much recently but typically you can find me hanging out with lindy and adam and all of our friends there talking about tv movies music D, all sorts of fun stuff so if you were looking for cool people to talk about cool stuff with uh, there are places you can do that you can also come talk to us if you want I was gonna say, I was like, wait a minute, where? I was gonna say, if you if you're looking for nerdy people to come talk about nerdy stuff with, we are here. We're ready to talk to you. Uh, I'm Adam H. You can find me on Twitter at Pianoman Adam One. Uh, you can also find me on some various things at twitch.tv slash DM Philly. He's got some amazing stuff going on over there. Go ahead and give him a follow. Uh, and then you can also find me. Uh, I think by the time this drops, our Arcane podcast is going to be. 
finished. We'll be finished with at least our season one coverage. It's possible that I have written another theme song for that podcast now that will be released soon because, again, I'm just incapable of saying no. Um, so, uh, yeah, and of course you can find me on the PSI Discord just just way too much. I, I keep committing to all these things and uh, I'm still, you know, very available <laughs> all the time. So, um, that's me. But the most important place that you can find me is right here next week for season two, episode one of One Indescribable Podcast with my good friends TV, Lindy, and Todd the Librarian. And until then, bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with With daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.